This is session seven on Colossians 1, 9 to 12. On account of this, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, so as to be fully pleasing to him. We start the focus here today. In every good work bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. And we'll just stop right there. So, Father, teach us what the good works are, teach us how they are fruit, teach us what this knowledge is, how it's different, say, from, from this up here, and why it would come down here in this place rather than up here, since knowledge seems to be the ground and origin of obedience. So, Father, show us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every good work is now what Paul is saying is this walk. We walk around in a manner worthy of the Lord. Namely, we're doing, we're bearing fruit in every good work. That's what this walk looks like. That's what's fully pleasing to him, doing all these good works. Now, what are they? Here's some pointers. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. Namely, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the feet of the saints, cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to good works. So that's just a taste of the kind of thing Paul has in mind. Real, practical, nitty-gritty, helpful things done for other people. Here's another example from from, uh, Tabitha, or called Dorcas. She was full of good works. Like what? Acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. So Peter rose and went with them. They went to get Peter to see if he would minister to her and raise her from the dead, if possible. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room, and the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made. In other words, these good works were practical, helpful, using her seamstress gifts for making clothes for people. So that's what the good deeds are. They are practical, everyday good deeds done for other people, and they reflect the worthiness of the Lord in your life. Now, how are they fruit in every good deed, every good work, bearing Fruit. In what sense, fruit? If you see the worth of the Lord and your life is conformed to the worth of the Lord, such that such that your life becomes worthy, a reflection of the worth of the Lord, and becomes worthy, the fruit of that recognition and conformity to the Lord is going to be the fruit of it is going to be good deeds. Look at Ephesians 2. 
By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Not, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. So good works are not the cause of our being saved, getting right with God, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. We are created. So we're workmanship, we're created in Christ Jesus for, for good works. So our good works are not the ground of our getting right with God and having our sins forgiven. Our good works are the goal of that. And we are called God's workmanship, God's creation, so our good works are his good works in and through us. He prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. So in an ongoing way, then, where do they come from? How They are fruit of God's workmanship, God's creation. What else? Here's 2 Corinthians 9.8. Love this verse. Oh, is this verse powerful and precious in ventures with risk that you take for God. God is able to make all grace, all the grace you need, abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. All the good works that God has planned for you here, every good work, he will definitely sustain you in. All grace will be yours, so that there'll be all sufficiency in all things at all times, and you can abound with lots and lots of good works by grace. So they are the fruit of grace, and we've seen that. When you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, you're walking worthily of the call, worthily of the gospel, worthy of God, worthy of grace. And so you please him because he loves to see the reflection of his worth, and that spills over or is fruit in every good deed. Last question. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, before I, I talk about knowledge of God, I want you to notice something. The reason I put all this Greek in here, by the way, is because back in chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, we saw this. Of this you have heard, this is Colossians 1, 5 and 6, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. So the gospel came to you, and these two words, bearing fruit and increasing, are the very same words, back to back, as they are here, here, in bearing fruit and increasing. Only there, the gospel was bearing fruit and increasing. And I can't help but think, I mean, I put it in this uh, 
awkward English word order because that's the order of the Greek in every good work bearing fruit instead of bearing fruit in every good work because Paul wrote it that way in order to juxtapose bearing good fruit and increasing just like he did here, bearing good fruit and increasing. So what's, what's the point? The point, I think, is Paul wants to say, just as the gospel bore fruit among you and increased among you, you now, as you walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, are going to turn around and become fruitful like the gospel was fruitful and increasing like the gospel was increasing. Only here he spells out in a very different way, you're going to bear fruit in good works and you're going to increase in the knowledge of God. I just wanted you to see that that pair is just like that in verses 5 and 6. Now, what does increasing in knowledge of God mean, and why is it here at the end of these things instead of at the beginning? Since it seems like knowledge of God should be foundational, come first, and you don't end on it here after bearing fruit, after pleasing the Lord, after walking worthy, after getting spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Well, the first thing I would say is that the knowledge of God is not just knowledge of facts about God, but also the knowledge of his worth and greatness. Here's Ephesians 1.17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So may God give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in knowing God. And he's saying in Colossians that he wants us to increase in the knowledge of God, and here he's praying for it. Now watch what he says about that. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know, know what is the hope to which you are called, what, one, two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? In other words, the knowing here, the knowledge of God and the knowing are no hope, no riches, no glory, no greatness, no power. These are not just facts. This is a capacity with the eyes of your hearts enlightened to discern the wonder of this hope and the wonder of these riches and the wonder of this greatness. So when Paul says, I want you to increase in the knowledge of God, I want you to increase in the knowledge of God, he doesn't just mean store up a lot of facts about God. He means be stunned as you come to the realization of who God is and what he has done. Now, two answers to the question why it comes here after referring to walking worthy and being fully pleasing to God and bearing fruit in every good work. Why would he now say, increase in the knowledge of God, when the knowledge of God is what gets it all started, isn't it? And here's one answer. 
Here's 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So we grow in godliness and in a Christian life through or by means of knowing him. So at the end here, he's simply drawing attention to the fact that if we will increase in this knowledge, we'll do this better. We'll be more godly. We'll be able to walk more in a manner worthy of the Lord. We'll know the Lord better. We'll be more fully pleasing to him because we'll know him better. We'll bear the fruit of his spirit more because we'll know him better. And one second last answer. Why here? Because, think this through. He doesn't just say we're doing good deeds, good work. He says we're bearing the fruit, which means they are God's work in us. God produces good work in us. We are bearing fruit. We're not performing. We are being acted upon like a tree is acted upon with sunshine and soil and water and fruit comes out of our lives because of the divine work in our life, which means God is at work in us to perform this. And when God is at work in you, you know God in a way you couldn't know him any other way. Think of it. There, there's book learning about God, Bible learning about God, and then there's real live obedience of God in which he is at work in you, and you watch him, you feel him, you see him working in your life. And when somebody works in your life to change you, you know him in ways that you couldn't know him any other way. So I think these two come together, bearing fruit and increasing, because the bearing fruit is the means by which we go deeper in our knowledge of the Lord as the one who is at work in our lives.